Hello, I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kerwin. Welcome back to Father and Son, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Father and Son, a Star Wars podcast. This is actually a special episode, all right? This is not a review, but we're actually interviewing our first guest. How about that? All right, so our guest is an actor, stand-up comedian, and an MC. He is the host of Inside Disney Parks and the warm-up host for Disney Parks Holiday Celebration on ABC and Star Wars Celebration. As a stand-up comic, he has headlined or performed at Bonkers Comedy, Tampa Improv, Orlando Improv, and others. He also does voiceover narration for the Walt Disney Company, Disney Studios, and for the film documentary about the Tuskegee Airmen, Silver Wings, and Civil Rights. He also has a YouTube channel. We are honored to have as our first guest on our podcast, Mark Daniel. Hello, how are you doing? (laughs) Welcome. Thank you very much, Curran and Keith. How are you, Keith? Great. All right. We are excited about this. <laughs> about this. I'm excited too. I'm very nervous to yeah. talk to you. I've seen hey. the show. You guys are huge Star Wars fans. I love the show and I love to see a father and son talking about Star Wars. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we made it a point, you know, we had a conversation earlier that, you know, we want to make sure that you were our first guest on the podcast. So <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Just welcome. No pressure. Okay. No All pressure. Right. Not at all. We're, we're, is, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. So first off, congratulations on reaching a thousand subscribers. Wonderful. Thank you very much. You yeah. know, it snuck up on me. I didn't know I had a thousand until one person said, hi, I'm your 1K subscriber. And I was like, what? Because I got a right. little notification. I went on. I was like, whoa. What? So uh, that was very exciting for me. And uh, I made a little celebration video. And, uh, you know, that's a big step. So uh, I didn't think it would happen. And it did. And uh, I'm just tickled about it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And we have a long way to go. But you know, again, <laughs> congratulations. On and you know that. what? You got to start somewhere, right? Each right. journey starts with a step. And you know what? The show is fantastic. You guys talking about Star Wars and just seeing the love of Star Wars, you know, father and son and just talking about your favorite things. I think we all can relate to that. Wow. Know? Thank you. Thank you very much. We enjoy putting these uh, shows together. We, we're we always talking about Star Wars here in this family. <laughs> so that, that's wonderful. Uh, so thank you again. And more congratulations to you on your recent marriage. I did. Yes, right? I got married. I got married May 13th. And yeah. uh, all my Star Wars fans, friends are like, you didn't get married on May the 4th? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I had some planning. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. And uh, just, you know, we let, you know, the, the people know uh, who are listening or watching um, how we're connected. Uh, your wife, Barbara, mm-hmm. and my wife, Tanya, yes, from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And they were actually classmates in middle school and very good friends in middle they, school. Yes, that is true. Yeah. They were very good friends. Um, you know, I, I, her name is Barbara, but her nickname is Figgy. So anytime I say Figgy, I'm referring to my wife, Barbara. But uh, yeah, she told me that her and Tanya were best friends. And what what she thinks of Tanya so highly. She loves mm-hmm. Tanya. She talks about her a lot. And one thing that I appreciate from Tanya that I get the benefits of is um, Figgy always tells me that when she was in middle school with Tanya, Tanya pushed her to be a better student. And, uh, uh-huh. and I'm getting the benefits of that because now I got a smart wife. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful story. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and the connection is that um, 
I remember through my career at Walt Disney World, it's been so vast and I've experienced so much specifically in the entertainment department of the Walt Disney Company. Mm -hmm. And I started very small and I was very proud to the level I eventually got to. I always wanted to write a book for years. I was like, oh, I wanna write a book, but I don't know how to start. Um, I, do I want a ghostwriter? Do I just take notes, pass it to someone? You know, do I go get how to write a book for dummies? So I, I shared that with Figgy and she said, oh, you know, my best friend's a doctor and she wrote a book. And I was like, who? She goes, yeah, my friend Tanya. And then she went to her bedside and she pulled out this book right here. And uh, so Dr. Ta Tanya Manning Yard wrote every watering word, a book of poems. And she yeah. keeps it by her bed and she used to read it wow. at night. And that's how she introduced me to Tanya. So you should reach out to her, tell her what you're interested in. And again, I was very nervous mm. um, and I eventually did. And Tanya gave me some good advice. We talked about it a little bit. Still more to talk about because I'm still not 100% there yet. Sure. But then the connection to you is, I guess, when she heard my name, and I think you found out my name, you asked, does he do Star Wars Celebration? Yeah. And I, I, and I know once somebody asked that, I go, okay, this is a Star Wars fan, and they've been to Celebration. Yeah. And that's where uh, then I said, okay, well, wow, that's awesome. I think I know Kerwin. Yeah. <laughs> or I've seen <laughs> Kerwin, but we've been in the same room together. Uh-huh. So that's okay. our connection. That's, that's a wonderful story. Uh, you know, it's... Uh... You know, and, you know, as life would have it, you know, um, you know, Barbara and Tanya, uh, you know, lost contact with each other. And I think they just recently connected on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, who, who you know, you, you never know, you know, how yeah. life happens, you know, like. Who it's a small world, right? And then like yeah. we have this huge, you know, if you're going to Star Wars Celebration, you know, yes. the fun, you know, and, and again, you know, that's that love of Star Wars and you're sharing it uh, with uh, Keith right now. And mm -hmm. it's you know, Star Wars Celebration is just, it's like a huge family event, you know? And uh, when you, when when she mentioned that and she said you went to Star Wars Celebration, I was like, okay, we got something in common. I'm a little bit more comfortable now. <laughs> there you go. Now, to, to let you know, I have not been to Celebration in person. I've only seen it online. Oh, uh, you know what? That's like being there, right? Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is. Uh, and, you know, maybe one day, you know, Keith and I will get to go in person. But uh, I, I agree with you. I, I, I look forward to every Celebration I love it. Uh, and I love talking about Star Wars. So now that we're on the subject of Star Wars, how about we talk about it? All right. Yeah, let's um, get into it. This is a Star Wars podcast. This is a Star Wars podcast. Yes. <laughs> in the name. That's right. It's in the name. So here we go. So I was looking at your Instagram page and I saw this photo. And ever since I, I saw the photo, I, yeah, I just can't, couldn't get it out of my head. You know, it was like it just something attracted me about this photo. And it is a photo of you uh, standing next to the late Peter Mayhew. You know, he was the original actor to play Chewbacca. Um, you look like you were a teenager. At yeah. the, and, you know, as you were talking earlier, um, you know, you're a tall, tall person. You know, you're yeah. pretty tall. And I can see that you're trying to stretch your body to the length of Peter Mayhew. And, you know, you're just not quite there because he's just he's so tall. <laughs> yeah. um, but please tell me about that photo. Uh, where were you? Uh, when was it taken? And how in the world were you able to get a picture with Peter Peter Mayhew? Oh, this is a great question. Uh, uh, I'll give you a little backstory. I was, uh, again, I told you I work in uh, Disney entertainment. Uh, mm -hmm. So we provide all the entertainment, you know, when you have parade performers, show performers, that's my line of business. And I had the fortunate pleasure of being able to do the first Star Wars weekends ever at the 
at Disney's Hollywood Studios, back then Disney MGM Studios. So for your listeners that don't know what that is, yeah. that's uh, an event that would happen Friday, Saturday, and Sundays at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Like I said, back then Disney MGM Studios. And it was a celebration of Star Wars, mm. kind of like Star Wars Celebration, but in the theme park. And it happened around um, Star Tours. Mm-hmm. And so what they would have is they would have um, uh, actors come and do signings. They'd have a motorcade where the stars would travel down the street they'd have little interviews and different things like that so that started in 1997 Mm. um so the first actor to come in 1997 was of course the world famous warwick davis Mm. um who played wicked the ewok as a child yes um in the films and uh so this is probably this picture was probably taken in uh 2001 and before I can go any deeper, because I still work at Walt Disney World, and I don't want to spoil any magic for Keith, but I was very close friends with Chewbacca. And uh, so I get to see Peter Mayhew because he was part of the motorcade. And you have to think that this is, uh, this we saw, this is 2001. So they were prequels, but nobody ever thought they would be doing new Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the actors are there for the motorcade and I got to meet Peter Mayhew and I was a huge Star Wars fan. And Peter Mayhew was so friendly, so jubilant and joyous. And I got to meet Kenny Baker. Um, wow. I got to meet um, Jeremy Bullock, Ray Park. So we're all standing at the, uh, before this motorcade starts. So you can see some cars in the back there. So I went over to Peter Mayhew and I was just a matter how tall he was. I said, wow, I said, Peter Mayhew, you are tall. So I said, let me see if I can get as tall as you. Can I take a picture? And he's just laughing, going, okay, sure. And I mean, it feels like he's still one foot taller than me. And uh, his arms are longer than mine. His torso is longer than mine. His legs are longer than mine. And he's wearing his Mickey Mouse hat, which was so funny. So that's that moment where I was standing, stretching, trying to uh, be as tall as Peter Mayhew as much as I could and get to stand by the Wookiee himself. Wow, how about that? It was, it was wow. a, it's a fond memory. It was really fun. That's- and uh you know, and we would just sit and talk. That was also what was neat about it, is that we were all backstage, we're all having fun and uh, just sitting and talking and, and not really talking about the films, right? They were so old. We were just talking to them as people, just saying, hey, you know, we love Star Wars, but how are you doing today? And mm-hmm. that was kind of surreal just to sit and, and they were just happy to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. That's a wonderful picture. And, um, and, you know, let's get into talking about Star Wars Celebration. And there are a few more pictures um, that we'll see. Um, you know, for our audio listeners, you know, we encourage you, if you want to see, these are great photos. We encourage you, if you want to see these photos, please go to our YouTube channel and check out this episode on YouTube so you can see the photos. But um, there are some great pictures that you have of past Star Wars celebrations. Mm-hmm. I love the one, especially when you took the selfie with you and Ashley and Warwick and Jonas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible photo. Uh, so again, you know, if you're listening, you know, please go to our YouTube channel, look at these, these fabulous mm-hmm. photos. So this, uh, this photo here was a lot of fun because uh, it's Ashley, Mm-hmm. Um, Warwick and Jonas and right. my co-host this right. is um, Jenny right and uh, what we this was actually um, I'm trying to remember the name of it this isn't Star Wars weekends this is Star Wars Galactic Nights Ooh, so okay. after Star Wars weekends ended I was able to do the final Star Wars weekends as the mm-hmm. understudy now talk about my journey right friends with mm-hmm. Chewbacca all the way up to 2015 mm-hmm. now I'm the understudy to James Arnold Taylor so 
James Arnold Taylor, of course, yes. as you know, is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Correct. Right. The Grill Wars. And, yes. Um, mm-hmm. He would host a nighttime spectacular. And he would come out and talk. And he also hosted a, a day, uh, another show. But I was on standby in case he lost his voice. Because not only is he a, a voice actor for Star Wars. I mean, he does commercials. He does a lot of work with his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did a one-man show, you know, as well, you know doing all he does like a thousand voices you know mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you know this but if you ever watch fox and you fox domination next time on family guy oh really that's that, james arnold taylor that james arnold taylor wow that I, is I, james I, arnold taylor you hear how booming that voice is i think yeah so keith said he's in uh he uses his voice on lego city adventures right yeah yes yes mm-hmm. and uh and if you ever eat frosted mini wheats and, and uh, you see a commercial for the strawberry frosted mini wheat he's that little strawberry mini wheat Wow. <laughs> so from that to next time on Fox Domination. Uh, so I was the understudy for him just in case he lost his voice. I would be, you know, I had enough credentials with Star Wars Weekends and Celebration to be able to walk out on stage and be like, you're expecting James Arnold Taylor. But now nice. you got Mark Daniels. <laughs> um, but he never, I never had to do it. But, um, and that was the last Star Wars Weekends before they announced Galaxy's Edge. And Star Wars Weekends had to end, of course, because there would be no room uh-huh. to do um um star wars weekends so moving into celebration yes um i was able to come in to do star wars celebration for celebration uh five in orlando and so the unique thing about it is that when star wars weekends was happening they would have a live talk show it would be hosted by ashley eckstein Mm -hmm. james arnold taylor well there was a director for that show his name was mark renfro and he directed the main show for Star Wars weekends, where you can mm. go and watch and they interview the uh, actors from the movies and the films. So they hired him to do the main stage shows at Celebration 5 in Orlando because the theme was a huge party. It was supposed to be like, we're partying right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to have, a, they wanted to have a party element. And I was happened to be in a show directed by him called The American Idol Experience, where I warmed up the crowd and got the party started. So he invited me to try something different. He said, I can't explain to Lucasfilm what you do. They just have to see it. If it works, you may do it again. If it doesn't work, you'll never do it again. Mm. So uh, let's just say I've been doing it for the last 10, <laughs> 10 years. Wonderful. So it worked. Wow. So that, that was good. So, so yeah, I came out with DJ Elliot. Mm-hmm. He would play music. Mm-hmm. And then I would come out and I would uh, get the crowd going. But I will tell you, uh, and Keith, listen to this. I, when I first did it the first time, I thought I failed. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. I had to come out after the DJ who was playing great music and hype the crowd that's already hyped. And I walked out and that first day I had no idea what I was doing. I went home and I was crying. Mm. I was like, I don't understand what to do. I'm not good at this. And I had support and they said, look, Mark, you can get back in there. And the difference was I came back in and said, I don't know everything about Star Wars, but what I do know is why I like Star Wars. Mm. And then I leaned into that and then I started talking about it and talking to the fans and it changed the whole energy of me trying to come out as an expert and just talking like you do on the show, Mm -hmm. sharing your love of Star Wars. And when I leaned into it that way, I became successful. So there are times when you might feel that you have failed at something, but you'll be surprised that those moments is when you will excel and you know, okay, like Yoda says, failure, the best teacher it is. How about that? And I, and I experienced it. 
That's a <laughs> story, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Do you have a comment you want to say or anything? No, that's a good story, though, wasn't it? Mm. It was a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that, Mark. Thank you. And can we talk about celebration? So the next celebration is going to be next year. Mm -hmm. uh, will you be at Celebration 2022? Well, I'm hoping. There, there's things in the works. Okay. Um, I'm supposed to be there, mm -hmm. um, but um, so I am not sure. I haven't, I haven't uh, been called. Okay. Um, but there are things moving where we're kind of talking about. Elliot was talking to me about. It. He said, "Hey, they're talking about still doing the main stage, and they still want entertainment. So, would you be interested?" I said, "Yes." Got it. Of course, I said yes. But nothing's official yet. Okay. Okay. But I hope I'm there. Fingers crossed. It's in Anaheim. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Disneyland. <laughs> And um, if you if you are going to be there, um, what would change as far as the protocols and procedures in regards to COVID? So this will be the first one taking place after the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so what would how would the, the the look of celebration change as far as the main stage? Would they limit the number of people who will be on the main stage, or will they limit the number of people attending celebration? I think. Uh this is not my wheelhouse, but from my experience, I think the, what you said is correct. I think mm -hmm. they may limit the number of people attending mm -hmm. Star Wars Celebration. Mm -hmm. I think the tickets are sold out already. Mm -hmm. That might mean that they've already reached that capacity and they won't have any more tickets. Right. I think a big thing, one of the big things in Star Wars was people lining up and I could tell tons of stories. Mm -hmm. I want to tell one story uh, when I finish this. Oh, but um. I think they will try to figure out a way that people don't have to line up. I think they're going to make a lot of the queues virtual to keep you out of having to, 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 to yeah. stay in a line for like, you know, hours, eight hours trying right. to get into the main room. Right. I think they'll have a cap. I think they'll make it virtual. I think you will get a wristband. Excuse me. I think they will try their best to not have people congregate in large groups. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think that is important. I think, um, you know, if we're still in that mask mandate, I mm -hmm. think masks to be mandatory. Mm -hmm. I think where they where they can help it, there may be some type of social distancing. But I, I think there will be a lot of changes because Star Wars Celebration, um, if you've seen, is highly attended. And yes. people waiting to go into those panels yes. wait a very long time, especially the big panels. Right, right. It, it's like, and as you know, the panels are so big, sometimes the main stage there are two theaters, mm. you know, there's one theater and then there's another theater watching it on a screen, just like you watched it at home. So don't feel any different because there were people at Celebration watching the panels like you were watching. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't feel left out. Yeah. There are people there doing the same thing you were doing. Right. Yeah, I've heard stories of people going back to their hotel room to watch Celebration. They're yeah. there, but they will go back to their hotel room because they get a bigger, you can see a better you get a better picture of what's going on. Yeah, yeah close-ups. Yeah, and I think close I think you might yeah. get a lot of that too. I think right. you have a lot of focus on people watching from home. Got it. Okay. There may even be some entertainment. Uh, I hope so. There may be some entertainment uh, um, directed at people watching at home. Maybe even a show directed mm. at just for you. It's not a celebration, but I'm talking to you going, hey, here's what's going on now. Let's go on the floor and see what's going on. It could be cool. something built that way. Yeah. I just made that up. Hopefully they're listening. <laughs> that's actually a very good idea. I like that idea. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. We're well, we're looking forward to, you know, celebration. So thank you very much for that. So let's wrap up 
our topic of Star Wars, we do have a couple of questions that we wanted to ask in regards, sure. you know, we know that you're a fan of Star Wars. So Keith is going to ask the first question. So <clears throat> what's your favorite Star Wars movie, TV show, book, or character? Why? Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, choose one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I will say, great question. Um, Keith, and my favorite Star Wars film is Rogue One. That is my favorite Star Wars film. And there's a good reason why. First of all, the big reason why is I remember being in the panel. I hosted the panel for Rogue One and they had nothing. All they had was a teaser trailer Mm. and some images from Rogue One. And I remember they were saying, we're putting wars back in Star Wars. And we were like, what's that mean? You're putting wars back in Star Wars? Okay. And they told us there were no Jedi in this film. And we were like, what? You have a Star Wars film with no Jedi? Right. Come on. So we're kind of like, okay, you got my attention. And I don't know if you've ever seen the teaser trailer mm-hmm. that they showed at Celebration. And I, I still get goosebumps and you know it. And if uh, I want to explain it to the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the theater and you hear the monologue of Obi-Wan Kenobi telling you the Jedi have been the guardians of peace and justice. Mm-hmm. And you look down and it's a valley with trees and birds flying by something you haven't seen yet in star wars and you hear the monologue and as you pan up out of the valley you see this beautiful skyline and an x-wing fly into the shot Mm -hmm. and then you see this arc in the horizon like it's a planet and you look up and they pan up and you see the arc in the planet and then all of a sudden, as you see that arc going from the right to the left, mm-hmm. you see that focus lens of the Death Star, because that's not a planet. It's the Death Star. It fades to black, and you hear commotion and chaos. Mm-hmm. People went nuts, because what they embodied was wow. the moment in Star Wars when they said, that's no moon. Yes. Right? Because yes. you thought it was a planet or a moon, mm-hmm. and they hit you with it. Mm-hmm. And that made me anticipate that film so much. And then I saw the film and the film was beautiful. It was gritty and I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And then the last (laughs) 10 minutes of that film blew my mind. Exactly. Into the last moment of that film. And it's my favorite Star Wars film because it, 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 it's kind of like what the Mandalorian does with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It shows you things that you know, you identify with and you know is Star Wars Mm -hmm. and you feel comfortable playing in that moment. And Rogue One did that. You saw Mm -hmm. things that you were familiar with Mm -hmm. and what an introduction Mm -hmm. of (laughs) (laughs) K2SO. Probably my favorite droid. And what I like about it is that you can see the progression of R2D2 and C3PO. You see these droids that will eventually, you understand R2-D2 and C-3PO, when you see these different personalities in between of the personalities. Yes. And, uh, Keith, I know you have a favorite droid too. So uh, it's a droid from a book, I believe, correct? Yep. It's CR Radar from uh, Adventures of Wild Space. And what is, his, what is his personality like, if you had to say it in one word? Well, I guess you could call him like <clears throat> kind of a mix between a repair droid and a nanny droid. Mm-hmm. Because he kind of looks over the graph kids and stuff. Okay. He also does a lot of repairs on their ship. Okay. What's his personality like? Like, how does he talk to the kids? Is he 
Is he over it? Is he friendly? Is he's he sarcastic? Like mm-hmm. Oh, he's kind of like C-3PO. Very proper. Yeah. Very proper. Stuff like that. Right, right. Okay. Very proper. Um, I guess he wants to keep the kids. Follows the rules. Sometimes, it, right, exactly. Basically. They don't like to listen to uh, to droids or adults. Speak. Tries to get them to follow the rules. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I think I want to ask you one more question. So you asked me if he was my favorite. And my favorite character, of course, hands down, is Chewbacca. Chewbacca is my favorite you character. You know? <laughs> just, you know, just Chewbacca in Star Wars, man. You know, it's like, I love what I love about Chewbacca. The reason I love Chewbacca is his loyalty, right? Chewbacca's loyalty. Um, you watch Solo. You watch him in the films. You watch him in the new films. Mm-hmm. There's a loyalty about Chewbacca and a love about Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. There were moments when I watched Force Awakens and and the films after how Chewbacca would look at Ray. You know, it was mm-hmm. you know he has love, he has anger, he has all those emotions, but they're all well deserved. Chewbacca's anger is well placed. His love is well placed. Mm-hmm. His loyalty is well placed. And uh, no spoilers, but I think we've all seen the scene with Han and Kylo Ren. Yes. And there's a scene where Chewbacca sees that. Mm-hmm. He sees what happens. And he, he does what he does. Yes. And Kylo Ren survives. And I think Chewbacca couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think Chewbacca hit him where he hit him on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was an instinct of what just happened. Right. You know? And I think it was played so well. I think it was played so well, you know. Uh, uh, so again, it just um, supported the love I have for Chewbacca and his loyalty, and his loyalty to Ben. Mm. You know, so mm. yeah. So Chewbacca, thank you, thank you for that. And Rogue One, I I agree with you. Rogue One is a great story, and it it shows that you can create brand new characters and tell a compelling story. You know, yeah. um, is is. The characters that we have that we all love is fine, but if you could bring new characters in and you know bring that emotion to the screen like they did, and yeah. have you feel for those characters, especially what we know what happens to the characters at the end of the film, um, it's an incredible story. It, w- it was a very incredible movie, and you're right about the last ten minutes of the film. Like it's yeah. you know it's insane. You know it's insane. So that was that's a very good, very yeah. good. Choice. I, I had a friend of mine. Uh, we had a good conversation, and he. He was telling me that he wasn't happy because they all, what happened at the end, they all yeah, right. out. Yeah. And, and he said, I think it's cheap. And I said, I said, I think you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. I think we all know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I think even when they made a story and said, you know what happens to them, right? We go, yeah. Do you still want to see it? And we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and that's like, we all know what happened on the Titanic. But the good story is, it's like, you know the end, but the end is it. The end isn't the answer. Right. You know, exactly. it's what they did. Yes, the journey. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely. to see that, you know. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. That's That was a very good, very good answer. All right. So here's our second question. And it's related to Return of the Jedi. And you have okay. seen Return of the Jedi, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so let me read this one. So in the last third of the film, there are three storylines taking place simultaneously, Right. Uh, you know, one, you know, on Endor, second, what's happening in, um, you know, at the, the planet, you know, with the, with the X-Wings uh, coming together and the one on the throne room with Luke. So here's a question. 
if you were given a choice to decide how you would help the rebels defeat the empire, what role would you choose? And here are your choices. Would you be A, a rebel officer helping Han and Leia deactivate the energy shield on the forest moon of Endor? B, a rebel pilot helping Lando destroy the second Death Star? Or C, a Jedi helping Luke take on Darth Vader and the Emperor in the throne room? Mm. That's a fantastic question. I think it, I think it, it lies on Am I Army, am I Air Force, or am I a Jedi, mm. right? Because they're all great. Yes. If, um, if I'm Army, I'm on, I'm on that planet, we got a job to do. We're gonna right. take out this, you know, we're gonna take out that shield. Uh, if I'm in the Air Force, I wanna be up there. I want the job to be on the list like I took out that Death Star. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm a Jedi by heart. And I think that's the head of the snake. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, Luke is legendary. He's going to meet Darth Vader and the Emperor. He needs some backup. Yes. So I'm sneaking on that thing and I'm trying to go for the top. I'm going, yeah. I'm like, Luke, I got you. Yeah. You just call me in. So, and I get to see the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I get stop. to see him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because not everybody, you know, working at Galaxy's Edge, what's interesting is uh, working as a Kembe, people ask me questions, but there's things people don't realize. If I'm a Star Wars character, there's things I don't know. I can't know. Now, as a fan, you know, but I, I don't know. You know, there's things I don't know. I don't know that Anakin Skywalker's Darth Vader. Hmm. If you, we don't know that. You know, we know that as a, as a viewer. Yes. But the characters in the film don't know that. You know, Correct. that's realized by the characters. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's fun to like, to really think that way sometimes. They go, I don't know. So I thought about if I was a Jedi, I probably have never seen Darth Vader. Luke would tell me about I'm just, I'm just having fun now, right? <laughs> but Luke would be like, look, I know who's in charge. Right. It's, he's a Sith Lord. And, and, um, and we got Darth Vader, his right-hand man. You're coming with me? We're going to take him out. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he was Emperor Palpatine. I'm like, what? <laughs> I wasn't on the Jedi Council. <laughs> I was on Batu. Right. What? <laughs> he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to take him out. Yeah. So I think I would, I would head there because it's like walking through the, I'd be on the Death Star too. I'm like, whoa, look at this stuff. Right. Take out some stormtroopers. Nice. Yeah. Hand to hand, baby. Yeah. <laughs> My heart would be uh, with Luke being a Jedi and helping him defeat uh, Vader and the Emperor. But so that scene when Luke is, you know, he's handcuffed and he and Vader riding the elevator up to the throne room and they get off the elevator and they're walking up the stairs and you know the emperor is in his in his uh, chair he turns around and he tells luke you won't be needing those and he just uses the force to break the the handcuffs off of uh luke's wrist mm -hmm. i think at that point i would have said luke you're my boy i'm sorry i gotta go i <laughs> i know <I>, uh, <laughs> i'm not cut out for this yeah i, I, I wish i could I'm going to join the, the, the guys on Endor and see what I can do with them. <laughs> I love it. I would have kicked would me die. out. Because yeah. I'd be riding the elevator going, man, this, what floor are we going to? Yeah, right. Is there music? Right. It's a long ride. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would turn right back around. I was like, Luke, I'll see you. You know, if, if you get through it, I'll see you. I'll see you at, at the party. You know, uh, at the after party on Endor, I'll see you at the party. So, <laughs> so oh, what, would, what about you? What like, would you it's my favorite time. Ah, so you, oh, yeah, Jedi? yeah, you would take Jedi. on 
You take on Vader the Emperor. Of course you would. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. That's that. That's something I would definitely do. Absolutely. It's in my books. Yeah. It's in your books. You know what? But uh, Kerwin, you mentioned something that yeah. you know uh, we kind of miss, and I like when they do those things. I mean, I can remember moments where they showed how powerful Snoke was. Mm-hmm. You know, we just dropped the lightsaber, spin it around, right, and just like pulled it out of the hand. Yes, you know, or he used the force to like slam Hutch um, um, on his face. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, just wham! Like he was very abusive, and through through miles, you know, <laughs> you know, hi- through hyperspace, through you know, um, um, you know, a, a long distance, like using the force. And I think right. there's times when they show you, like, oh yeah, I I can do stuff very strong, you know? So there's just little moments where they show you like, oh, and like you said, when you realize, oh, okay, see you later. Yes, <laughs> right. You just, you know, you're you're in over your head sometimes, you know, you just have to admit it, you know, that's time. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. That wraps up our section on, on Star Wars. So very nice. All right, so let's talk about, a um, couple of questions about your stand-up comedy, your career in stand-up. Um, what was the moment when you said, I am funny, I can make people laugh, and I can make a career out of being a stand-up. What was that moment? When did that happen for you? Uh, I think I always had a dream of, of standing on stage and making people laugh, no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend, his name was Jeff Blackman, and we worked together at Disney Entertainment, and he was taking classes at what was called Sat Comedy Lab. It's an improv uh, theater troupe, and he was taking classes, and he'd always tell me, he said, Mark, you're, you're the most serious, funny guy I've ever met. Mm. And I, it meant, and what that mean, meant was, if I didn't know you, I was pretty reserved uh, around people I didn't know. But around people I knew, I would make all the jokes. I was silly. And he was just fascinated that I, how I could turn it off really quick. So he got me involved in SAC theater. And I started doing improv comedy. But always in the back of my head, I wanted to do stand-up and I would see amazing stand-up storytellers making people laugh just on stage by themselves so it, it came after I did improv comedy and really liking the attention and the, the laughter response from the people uh I decided I think I want to do stand-up but what inspired me to do stand-up is one night I went to see my friend do stand-up open mic night and he went up on stage and the audience, I won't say he did a bad job. I'll say the audience didn't like him because he was committed to his jokes. Mm. They didn't laugh. I think one person like booed and the host was like, don't, you can't boo people. So she stopped. And it wasn't a good set, right? Because he didn't get the laughs. And I know him and he's a funny person, but his style just wasn't working that night. And he came off on stage. He came off the stage and he said, so what'd you think? And I was like, he's like, good, right? And I was like, sure. <laughs> but, at, but at that moment, I thought he did horrible, but he survived it and he was fine. And he's like, I'm going to do it again. And I was like, wow, I think I can read it because I did improv before. And I said, I can read an audience and you didn't. So I think I can do this. And that really was the catalyst to get me to uh, not be nervous and go ahead and go and try. And I, of course, I took a stand up comedy class, mm-hmm. which helped a lot. I didn't just hit the ground running. Um, a friend of mine wanted me to open for him, but I, I was still too nervous. So I took a class at the Orlando Improv that we just kind of studied. And then we went up on stage and they gave us stage time in front of our classmates, which got me uh, more confidence to hit the stage. Mm. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. And as far as uh, the comedy rock stars, who do you look up to? Who do you emulate? Um, you know, when you're watching, um, you know, comedy shows of the past, you know, who who did you like to, to watch or listen to? Community? You know, interestingly enough, I grew up in Trinidad. So I grew up till about the 80s. So at that point, I had never seen stand-up comedy in it as I know it. I've seen funny things, um, but I didn't, so not till I got to America. So um, I didn't really have huge stand-up role models. And when I did stand up, I purposely tried not to watch too much stand-up wow. so I wouldn't emulate it. And, and without knowing just steal stuff, I really tried to dig into myself. But the people I watched was the storytelling of Bill Cosby, like the storytelling that he did while he was on stage. Mm. Uh, the the uh, family friendliness of Sinbad. I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the craziness of Jim Carrey and the physicality and the faces, because I make faces. I loved his faces. And I enjoyed the absurd of Andy Kaufman. Wow. And I kind of fell into Andy Kaufman. I watched a movie called I'm Andy Kaufman. I'm from Hollywood. Uh -huh. It was about him wrestling people. Yes. And I enjoyed it. And then I saw Man from the Moon, mm -hmm. Man on the Moon, and I mm -hmm. saw it was all fake. And I was like, wait a minute. So I, then I started going back and watching Andy Kaufman and all his crazy antics. Mm -hmm. And I, I started to meld my, and those are the people I like to watch because it's not necessarily their material, mm. but what they're doing and what they're choosing to do. So it's the absurdity of where their, their topics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, Wanda Sykes. But I saw a documentary on Moms Mabley, done by Whoopi Goldberg, and of course Whoopi Goldberg, and Robin Williams. Sure. But I saw a documentary on Moms Mabley and saw that she invented stand-up as we know it, doing stand-up. And she was young, she was in her 20s when she started doing this, and had a character that was in her like 90s, mm -hmm. and she did it all the way till she turned 90. So when I saw the documentary on Moms Mabley, that really blew my mind, just mm -hmm. like, you know, of course, I didn't mention Richard Pryor, so I just want to throw that in there as well. All these amazing people. Mm -hmm. But even when I was in doing stand-up uh, more, I would be very careful what I was watching. And if I did watch a stand-up act, I wouldn't watch the content too much, but how they interacted with the audience. Because I didn't want to be like, oh, he's talking about, you know, as seen on TV, I'll do that too. So I was trying, I tried to be very careful of not watching too much stand-up, which was a little detriment because, but I was, it was more important for me to not emulate what was happening at the time. Got it. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. And as far as your Disney career, you've been working for Disney for uh, a, many, a many number of years. Yeah. Um, what would you say? <laughs> 28. <laughs> 20, 28 years? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's wonderful. Okay. What would you say is the key to having a long-term successful career at Disney? You know what? I would say it's the people you know. I would say it's your work ethic. And I would say it's your passion for the job. Um, I always say that, you know, and not just me, but I've seen it. It's not just me as a performer. It's not just my manager. It's everyone at Walt Disney World, from the people in the parking lot to the people that greet you at the gate to the people that clean the parks at night and paint the fences. Everybody has something to do. That's why, mm -hmm. that's why we're called cast members, because we're all part of a show. And everybody has a role to play. And even when I do commercials and I, I've, I've been in TV shows and it is very important everybody plays their role in any kind of production because you might have one job, but that job is very important. 
And you see that when you watch TV shows and movies. Um, and it's also important at Disney. And uh, I say, a cog and a clock, they're all spinning, making the clock work, but some cogs are golden. And you can be that golden cog if you want to. But every cog makes that cog turn. Mm. And I think that knowing the importance of teamwork and working together, and that's just, it's not just you. I can do the best show in the world, but if they didn't get to park in the parking lot, <laughs> Mm-hmm. they can't come to it you know what i mean so we're all part of that show and i think remembering the importance of working together mm-hmm. and everybody has an important role helps uh with that longevity and people seeing that you appreciate everyone very nice do you have a question uh yes <clears throat> so what are some of the jobs you've held at disney mm. all right uh keith the jobs i've held at disney was um, my first job was a parade performer in a parade called the Electric Light Parade at Disney, Disney's Magic Kingdom. Then from there, I went to Disney's Hollywood Studios and I did a parade called the Aladdin Royal Caravan. Now, do you remember Disney's Aladdin? Yep. Okay, you remember the moment where the genie turns Aladdin into a prince and he wants to impress Princess Jasmine. So he creates with magic a big parade to announce this brand new prince coming into Agrabah. Right. Yes. So they actually made those floats from the cartoon into actual physical floats. And, you know, he turned Abu into a giant elephant. And, they, and, and uh, so they had a giant elephant. They had camels, that golden camels that spit water. They had people carrying jewelry. So they had this giant uh, parade, and that's why it was called Aladdin's Royal Caravan. And uh, I was part of that. I also, after that, I did the Toy Story Parade. So Toy Story came out, and uh, I did the Toy Story Parade, where basically you'd see Buzz and Woody and all the Green Army Men. Um, and then I did the, um, the Hercules Parade. So remember when Disney's Hercules came out? Right, yes, I do. Yes, so Disney's Hercules, they actually had a parade as well in the film, and they made that film, uh, they made that parade into an actual parade. And uh, I was a hero in training. So Phil, in the idea of the parade, Phil was the little satyr, he's half goat, played by Danny DeVito, and he was training Hercules to be a hero. So the joke was he had a big float, and it was a gym, and he ran the uh, gym and if you wanted to be a hero, and it was all these skinny people like me, look at this muscle, nothing. <laughs> We're all lifting weights and trying to be a hero like, uh, like Hercules. And he was just, you know, telling us what to do. Um, and from there, I moved from the entertainment department and I became an actor for Walt Disney World. And that's, why, that's where my job shifted. I was a performer in the parades. And then I became an actor playing characters and being able to talk and do scripts. And I opened Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, as a paleontologist in Dinoland. So we actually went to Canada. I actually dug up dinosaur bones. Uh, Keith, do you have a favorite dinosaur? Um, a thesaurus? A thesaurus? <laughs> That's a book. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is there a dinosaur called a thesaurus? No. That do you have a favorite dinosaur? Velociraptor. There you go. Okay, listen to this. Velociraptor was my specialty. That's right. So I specialized in the Velociraptor, um, Utah Raptor to be exact, very dangerous creature with a sickle-like claw, hunting in packs. Mm. Um, 
And uh, so I opened Disney's Animal Kingdom as an actor. And uh, then I went over to Epcot, did, did acting at Epcot, and then I stayed into acting. But my the big feather in my cap is I was able to open um, Disney's Animal Kingdom, which is a theme park. And you're not, you can't really, if you open a theme park, that's a big feather in your cap. And then I got to open some amazing lands. I got to open the land of Pandora, the world of Avatar. And then I got to open Galaxy's Edge. Wow. So those were two big, amazing things to do. You opened Galaxy's Edge. I did. I opened Galaxy's Edge. I got to be there when everyone came in. And uh, Hondo Wanaka, Chewbacca, BB-8, Ray, Pilots. It was a lot of fun. They had Hondo? Hondo. Yeah, they had Hondo Wanaka, the pirate, yes. Because, you know, Hondo Wanaka uh, runs Hondo Wanaka Transports, and that's why the Millennium Falcon is there. He's actually borrowing it from Chewbacca. And when you get on there, he's telling you, you got to go get some coaxium. Mm. <laughs> and this all sounds familiar too, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at your face, Keith. Yeah, that's, yeah, all right. Galaxy's Edge. Okay, all right. We'll have to, we'll have to put that on our list. Got to go see him. And you know, and Kondo Onaka has a little droid. He painted a face on it because he's grumpy. <laughs> and then, and Mark, in regards to um, your experience at Disney, uh, what have you experienced with Disney? What have you experienced at Disney regarding diversity and inclusion? Oh, that's a great question. Diversity and inclusion. When I started at Disney back in uh, 1991, uh, again, my experience will be in the entertainment department, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in the entertainment department, there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. There were a few, mm. uh, but not a lot. Um, and, you know, we had a few dancers and uh, singers, uh, but there wasn't as many as there are now. But from the beginning when I worked there, Disney had a slogan. And it was, they are drawing creativity from diversity. And they really, they really uh, fanned out for that. And, and even if there weren't a lot of people that looked like me, I met a lot of different people from all walks of life. So they, it was diverse in that aspect, right? Uh, people that relate to different things. Um, so, but it wasn't until Disney's Hercules parade came out, like I mentioned, I did that parade. They had the muses, which were uh, black singers, I think five of them, and they put those singers in the parade. So that's when they seeked out more African-American women. So that's when I saw more African-American women come in to play those roles. Um, and then Pocahontas came in. So you had a lot of people that had the look of native First Nations people, mm -hmm. or if you were Puerto Rican and you looked like a First Nation person, you would be able to be a part of the show, Pocahontas. And then the Hunchback where they had gypsies. And of course, finally, um, the Princess and the Frog, which we had our first African-American princess. So, um, so that was big. So that's when um, diversity started. I started seeing that reflected in the people I was around. But I want to talk about some people that I've worked with. And right now, diversity is pretty big because uh, I want to point out the VP of Creative um, Live Entertainment at Disney. She's the VP of Creative. And her name is Shelby Jiggets Tavoni. And she's an African-American woman that's in charge of uh, live entertainment at Walt Disney World. And she's uh, right now putting on the brand new show called Harmonious at Epcot. Wow. Um, I want to talk about a director I've worked with. She worked on the Lion King stage show in Tarzan. That's Marsha Randolph. And she is a show director of Disney's live entertainment. I've worked with her and she's uh, 
an amazing woman to work for. Um, Stephen Gelpie is another African-American male that is uh, actually the talent casting director of Walt Disney World. So any actors coming in, dancers, he's the talent casting person you're gonna deal with. Um, and the vice president of Disney's Animal Kingdom is Dwan Rivers, an African-American male. And the vice president of Epcot is Katrina Rodriguez, an African-American female. Wow. So I just wanna point those people out as we talk about diversity and these, these nice. very um, important roles uh, that people can see like myself or like you or somebody coming to Walt Disney World, uh, a great thing to see. And right now, Disney's very focused now on inclusion. Yes. So, um, which is very different now. Um, the, the costumes are not gender-based anymore. Mm. Um, so that's a big difference right now. Mm -hmm. um, and also too, we used to have to have our name tags and they had to have your first name. Mm -hmm. But now uh, we find out what your pronouns are. We, if you don't relate to your first name, you have a different name, you can actually use it. If you relate to your last name, you can use, so name tags have changed mm. uh, the criteria on that. So right now the real focus is on inclusion and making everyone feel welcome. Thank you. Very nice, very nice. We're gonna move into your passion project. There is a documentary that you created a few years back called Tuskegee Airmen, Silver Wings and Civil Rights. Mm -hmm. Keith has some questions that he'd like to ask you in regards to your documentary. Definitely. So, <clears throat> sorry. The first question is, what was it like to meet some of the Tuskegee Airmen? Well, it was, um, I was um, very nervous to meet them because I didn't want to disrespect them in any way. Um, it was interesting. These men have served the country a long time ago. And one thing I'll tell you, uh, Keith, is when you see these people, I met them and they're in their 60s and 50s and they wear their hats and they're very old. Some of them can't walk, they're very old. And I think that that's when they served, but they didn't. They served when they were like 25 years old, you know, in their late or mid twenties, you know, and when I started thinking that way, I'm like, wow, the, I was working, I was doing a parade. <laughs> These people are serving their country. So it was an honor to meet them. It was an honor to meet a part of history because these pilots had it tough. They were black pilots um, that people didn't believe in. And my documentary talks about um, people didn't think that black people had the mental capacity to fly an airplane or do anything. So these people had challenges. Even when they got into the program, there were white officers and trainers that did not want them to succeed. And they had to fight that even though they got the part or they got the mission, there were people still trying to stop them because they wanted to prove that they weren't competent enough. And they were, so they had to work really hard. So I really was very careful in my questions and how I met them and how I spoke to them because they were groundbreaking and what they did um, should be remembered. And they had it very, very hard and they served a country that did not believe in them. And I can't imagine what that's like, putting your life at risk for a country that think that you are less than. And uh, just to do that. And I asked them, one of them, why did you do that? Why would you put your life at risk for a country that thinks you're less than? And they said, because it's my country. Mm. And I, that was, that meant so much because it's my country. Well, you actually answered our second question. So let's move on to the third question. 
What are some of the reasons the Tuskegee Airmen are so interesting to you? Um, like I mentioned, Keith, the, the, how young they were. Um, and after I've watched Red Tails, which was produced by George Lucas, who produced Star Wars. And if you haven't seen Red Tails, make sure you see it. Mm. Um, and then the HBO special starring Lawrence Fishburne. Um, what was interesting to me about the Tuskegee Airmen is, like I mentioned, what they had to go through. And also, they, um, they had to escort heavy bombers to their targets. So you, you're, you're taking these bombers and you have these planes that protect the bombers. So you have the German Luftwaffe coming to try to shoot down the bombers because the bombers are going in to drop bombs on their targets. The, the, the pilots in the P-51s, their job is to protect those bombers. And the Tuskegee Airmen stuck with their bombers. They didn't fly off to try to be an ace because you could be an ace if you shot down three or four airplanes. And what the Germans would do, they would use that as a tactic. They would try to draw the protector planes away from the bombers. And when they got away from the bombers, the other German planes would, would um, destroy the bombers. And the bombers are literally sitting ducks. They're carrying a heavy cargo with bombs and they're flying steady into the target. But the Tuskegee Airmen stayed with the bombers, protected the bombers, and they started painting their tails red. And that's why they got the nickname, the Red Tails. And they were so good at what they were doing, the pilots and the bombers did not know they were black. So they started requesting the Red Tails. So when they would go out on bombing missions, they said, we want the Red Tails. And the Red Tails got a reputation of sticking with the bombers and protecting the bombers all the way to the target and back. But one thing a Tuskegee Airman told me was very interesting. He said, it's not just us. It was the nurses, but most importantly, the mechanics. Because sometimes they would send the Tuskegee Airmen on one-way missions because they had to fly into a location, but the gas tank did not, could not hold enough gas to come back. Mm. So the mechanics would alter the gas tanks to make them bigger so they could return. So they said a big part of their success were also the mechanics working on the airplanes, which were also African-American. And I wanna point out, they're actually, they're not all African-American. Some of the Tuskegee Airmen, there were five Haitians from the Haitian Air Force. There was one Trinidadian, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm -hmm. And they were also uh, pilots that were Hispanic or Latino from the Dominican Republic. So I just wanted to also say that. Very cool. Did not know that. Yeah, very nice. Well, you've done your research, Mark. <laughs> and uh, so the documentary I did, just to close it off, is called Silver Wings Civil Rights, right? The fight to fly. And uh, what that was, was not only did they have to deal with segregation within the military, but when they left the military, they had to deal with segregation when they came back home. And it talks about the Tuskegee Airmen when they came back home, being the people that were the start of the civil rights movement in America because they were like, we fought for this country. We have every right. We're not gonna live with these Jim Crow laws. We're not gonna, this segregation, making us feel like we're not, we're less than, you know, I have my medals. I fought for this country. My friends, some people, you know, suffered the ultimate sacrifice and they were the ones to start the civil rights movement as we know it, that when it happened. So um, that's what the documentary is about. Mm. Wow. 
Well, Mark, you know, this has been fantastic. It's been fun. Yes, it's ha it has been fun. And I just want to say personally that um, to me, you're my hero because <laughs> what you do, you know, not many people can do. Um, the career, the longevity that you have working with a company such as Disney, you know, that doesn't happen to a lot of people often. And the only and the reason why that you're there for that long is because of your talent and your skills. Um, so I applaud you. I, I really do applaud you. Um, I, I'm very glad to to know you. Um, you know, it was unusual how we connected, but you, you yeah. know, you you can't you can't plan that, you know how, you know, life happens, you know, that, uh, you know, two young ladies from the Bronx would marry two Star Wars nerds. <laughs> right. Can't plan and for have that. another one. And then and have, have another one. And, right, have another one. <laughs> and have another one. Keep them coming. There you go. You know, so this was a wonderful, wonderful time um, spending with you and talking. And uh, we've learned a lot from this interview. Again, thank you so much for being our first uh, you know, guest on our, our on our podcast, and we hope that you would come back. I, I I'll tell you what, um, yeah. I would love to come back, uh, Kerwin and Keith, and yes. be on a father son podcast. I want to tell you something. Sure. I was very nervous about being on your podcast. I see it. I hear you guys talking. It's fantastic, and I was very nervous. So I want to thank you because it made me really think about what I was going to say. Thank you for setting me up for success. Um, but I really wanted to be at the level you are, you know, and, and I will take that away with me. You know, I think sometimes I'm on interviews and I'm just like, ah, just ask me whatever. But um, I think what I'm taking away from this interview is just the, uh, just the connections we made and just how, how I can see the passion for Star Wars and just, you know, just the passion in general and to be, and to witness, you know, to witness Keith enjoying it and, and you guys sharing it and you having the back and forth was, was very entertaining to me. So I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Um, and, and Tanya, you're back there working. Thank you very much, Tanya. Um, excuse me. So before I, before I go, yes, I want to know if you can do something. Sure. I want to know if you are able to get your phone. And what I want you to do, I will text you something. And I want you to set it up. I want you to watch it. I want you to turn the volume up. And I want to be able to see you watch what I'm about to send you. Is that possible? Did you send it to me or? I will send it to you. Oh, yeah, you. sure, please. Yeah, so right now I'm going to text you something. Okay. And uh, it's, it's go, on to the e go on to the text where I was asking to log in and I said, log in now and I'm in. Yes, yes. Okay, right. so I am going to send you something. I want you to turn the volume up and I want you and Keith to watch it. Okay. With me so far? Uh, yeah, I'll let you know when I get it. Okay. And I want to see you watch it, just like this. Sure. Okay. Sending it now. Mm -hmm. Volume up. And I'll put it next to the microphone. That was a volume. Yeah, I know. Hit it again. Huh. Oh, okay. You ready? Yeah. Hi, Kerwin. Hi, Keith. This is Ashley Eckstein, a.k.a. the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars. And I just want to thank you for your father and son podcast. 
really the force is strong with your family. And Keith, can we talk about you for a second? Because first of all, I truly appreciate your support of Ahsoka Tano, and you remind me so much of Ahsoka. You know, you are a Padawan, um, but the force is strong with you. Now, always remember that your parents are your Jedi masters, and you have a lot to learn in AKA school, uh, or I like to call it the Jedi Temple. Um, but always remember lessons of kindness and patience and trust and friendship and loyalty and all of the lessons that a Padawan must learn before they can become a Jedi Knight. So, Kerwin uh, and Keith, again, thank you so much for your support of Star Wars and for your amazing podcast. And I hope I get to meet you soon. But until I do, may the Force be with you. Bye. Wow. Oh my gosh. That was the voice of Ashley Eckstein, right? That. Who is the I... voice? of Ahsoka Tano. Wow. Your favorite character. Mark, this is incredible. Yeah, we could go <laughs> for like an hour, look. Yeah, this, Mark, thank you so much. Please thank Ashley as well. Um, if she would be interested in doing our show, we would love to have her. Um, but thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome, you're welcome. I just filmed that, I filmed your reaction, I'm gonna send that to her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, we just started earlier. Yeah, I missed it when you when uh, the first time, but yeah, thank you so much, Mark. That's that that was incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. All what? right, so we have to go, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we can't talk that. We might as well just sign off. Yeah. All right. Uh, where can people find you? Yes, please, Mark. Oh, great question. Where can people yes. find me? Well, it's very easy. You can find me on TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. And it is at L-O-L, the number four, Mark Daniel. Again, on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, L-O-L, the number four, Mark Daniel. Laugh out loud for Mark Daniel. And that's what you Yes, thank you so much. Once again, Mark, we, we enjoyed having you. We would love to have you back on our podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and bring any special guests you like <laughs> yes, okay, indeed. Please. thank you thank ashley for us please thank you definitely i will all right okay well thank you very much for having this right. show have a great day and good luck with this episode sure and all yeah. the best to you and barbara thank you all right take care bye